Hey guys, I'm doing another episode. You know, I didn't know. I thought I was gonna do one on last Friday for the NFL playoffs, but you know, I've been I've been working nights at this construction site, and um, you know, I got home on Friday morning, and from like eight, maybe actually nine a.m. to like three, four p.m., I just slept, and. Uh, it kind of got away from me, and I just didn't have time to prepare my notes, you know, look at the teams, uh, give my predictions, and, like, actually record it. So I couldn't do that. Um, but I don't, I, I don't want to get into that right now. I think I have the whole week to, like, you know, uh, look up the Buffalo and Chiefs matchup and the Packers and uh, Bucks. So I might I might do that later on, like maybe on Friday or something. But you know, I've just I just make notes on what I might want to talk about, and the first thing I want to talk it's actually kind of funny. You know, I've been I've been watching literally everything. You know, you know we've all been inside and just doing nothing. You know, just watching shows, watching movies, listening to a lot of music. You know. I think that's what a lot of people are doing, and I've just been watching everything. And uh, I think I've probably watched maybe five, six, seven shows entirely, and some of them were like 11 seasons, like uh, Modern Family. I finished that in maybe like a month or two. Uh, I watched New Girl. That was really good, too. And um, uh, Working Moms. That's a Canadian show. It's like R-rated and it's actually, it's like really, it's really good. And um, what else have I watched? Okay, the the latest thing I'm watching is this show called, I think it's like Teenage uh, Bounty Hunters. And it's about these two teenage sisters in high school. You know, they go to this Christian school and uh, one of them had sex with her boyfriend and now they're both kind of like shunned. So the guy is the captain of the golf team at the school. And one of his teammates in the locker room just fucking goes in on him. You know, he's like, you know, how can, how can we trust anything you say now? You know, you said uh, Sterling and I are just waiting for marriage. Our faith is stronger than our temptation. You know, apparently that was all just locker room talk. You fornicator. <laughs> and when he says fornicator, the other dude's like, you calm down, calm down, calm down. And then he just threatens to, like, fight him. You know, the dude got so upset at being called a fornicator, I just, I couldn't stop laughing. And uh, I was really annoyed by that just because I saw, you know, when I get into a show, I like I like going on, like, the Wikipedia, see how many episodes there are, and when the new season is going to come. So I, I looked it up after, I think, maybe episode two or three, and I saw that the show got canceled. But I liked the show, so I just kept watching. And the show ended on, like, a, a cliffhanger. But there's not going to be another season, so it's like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? Why did, I, why did I just spend 10 hours watching the show that ends on a cliffhanger? And there's, no, there's not going to be another season, and I knew there wasn't going to be another season. So I'm kind, I'm kind of upset at that. Uh, the the show actually got like really good ratings, so I'm not sure why Netflix decided to cancel it. And it had uh, some pretty, actually not, yeah, the 
the mom and dad on the show are pretty famous. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe they might have had enough clout to, like, at least get a season two. So, yeah, maybe because people are watching it a lot. I did see it on, like, the... Netflix has, like, the trending top ten or something. And it was one of those shows. So maybe they see a lot of people are watching and they decide to pick it up. Um, I'm, I don't know. Um, but, but you know, the NFL playoffs are on the way. And, uh, you know, we're, we're down to the conference things now. And uh, I, wa- I wanted to talk about something that always that I've always found kind of an annoying and strange. You know, Br- Brady in the Eagles Super Bowl, you know, he put up like 33 points. He had like 500 yards. And he was he was amazing in it. But he lost, so it just didn't matter. You know, he was awful in that Rams Super Bowl against uh, Jared Goff. But they won, so it somehow added to his legacy. I don't understand how that works. Because he only scored nine... I think they only scored nine points. And I don't understand why him scoring nine points adds to his legacy because the team won. You know, that's always been strange to me. Um, so why does... You know, I just... Because he wasn't good in that Rams Super Bowl. So why does him not being good but the defense holding the Rams to, like, three points add to his legacy. He didn't really do much. You know, it's the same thing with, like, LeBron in 2018. You know, that that's probably the best I've ever seen anyone play basketball. But he didn't win, so for some reason, that doesn't add to his legacy because he didn't win. You know, in 2020, the in the playoffs, he was incredible. But... He wasn't as good as he was in 2018, but they won, so now it adds to his legacy. Even though if you put 2018 LeBron in that same scenario, you know, they probably would have swept the playoffs. You know, I think uh, they went 4-1, 4-1, 4-1, and then 4-2. I think they legitimately just would have just swept the playoffs. So the the way I do it, I I just like seeing how many playoff runs you had where you played like a true number one. You know, at some point, you do have to just go out and win a title, but titles are too team-dependent to judge it entirely based on that. You know, that's why someone like, uh, you know, that piece of shit, Carl Malone, you know, I have him much lower than other people. You know, he had three playoff runs in 20 years where you went, yeah, you know what, he, he played like a, almost like a true number one. So 17 other, like, I don't think he made the playoffs 20 times, but, like, the other times he made the playoffs, he didn't play, like, a true number one. Like, if you look at the numbers, they significantly dropped in the playoffs. I think he went from, like, 53% field goal in the regular season to, like, 46% in the playoffs. And... If you look at the 97 and 98 finals, the 97 finals, I 100% believe if you put Tim Duncan, you put KG, you put Barkley, you put Dirk, you put uh, some other like great power forward I'm forgetting about, they, the, the Jazz win that finals. You know, Malone was absolutely garbage in them. Uh, even the 98 finals, he was good in game five and six, but... 
game one, two, three, and four, he was not good. Like game two, they should have won. He was awful. Um, I think they won game three. Actually, I, I don't know if they won. It was tied 2-2, and then they lost game five and six, I believe. But, yeah, he was good in game five and six, but the other four games, he was just not good. Um, you know, so I think you have to judge it based on how many playoff runs did that person have that you look at and you go, if he had a true contender around him, they, w- they could have won with him. Um, okay, so I actually wanted to talk about CJ and Dame. You know, a couple of days ago during a post-game thing, someone asked a question, and after it, Dame was like, oh, but you think Washington is a better backcourt than us? You know, and apparently on Twitter before the season, you know, someone had asked a question, who's the best backcourt now that Clay is injured? And this reporter said, you know, it might be Washington over Portland. And I don't, I don't like this thing where... You know, circumstances change, and now people go back and are like, wow, how could you be so wrong on this thing? And it's like, I wasn't wrong. I was right then, and now things are different. So, you know, I, as, I also thought before the season that, you know, after Clay got injured, that Beal and Russ were the best backcourt. You know, Beal was 30 a night. Russ was all NBA. And on the other hand, Dame was incredible. But CJ was just like this pretty solid player. So it wasn't like too far-fetched to be like, you know what? Washington might have had a better backcourt. But, you know, people love doing the thing where, you know, circumstances change and now they're like, oh, how could you think that, you idiot? Um, But I I did want to talk about CJ and Dame. You know, CJ got injured and I think Shams just announced that it's it's for a month, four weeks. Uh, but I did want to talk about him just because he is a perfect example of... Actually, wait, hold on. Let me talk about the Washington and Portland thing. So, you know, Russ is playing awful. Beal is playing incredible. And, you know, if Russ was playing like he did in Houston, I do think it would have been pretty close, but, like, He's playing awful, and CJ is playing incredible. So, like, that changes things. Now, now Portland is the better is the better backcourt, but no one could have seen, you know, this jump from CJ and this drop-off from Russ. You know, this was before the season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, okay, let's talk about uh, CJ now. You know, uh, he, he is a perfect example of someone applying advanced analytics but still keeping parts of his game that make him so good. And now because of that, he's gone from ideally being like your third best player on a contender to playing like a true number two caliber player. You know, and he's, he's, done, it like, he's done it like this. So for his career, he's a 40% three-point shooter. But he just didn't take that many of them. You know, he just didn't, like he was kind of like a, a KD type where but the difference between him and KD, like, he's probably the exact same caliber shooter as KD. But the difference is KD is seven feet, and he can finish at the rim much better. And also, he's, he's much better at getting to the free throw line. So that's why, even if, like, they're, 
if you looked at their shot distribution, it was probably the same, but KD was much more efficient because he could get to the line and he was a much better finisher. But so CJ, so CJ has to do other things to make up that efficiency, and he just wasn't doing it. You know, he, he was a great. He, he is. He was. He is a great um, mid-range shooter, but he 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 takes too many of them. And since becoming a starter, 65% of his shots are two-pointers. And 35 of them, 35% of those, uh, 35% of his shots were mid-range jumpers. Which, you know, he's great at, so it's not that big of a deal. But this year, only 45% of his shots are two-pointers. And 20% are mid-range. And 55% of his shots are from three. You know, he's taking, I think, 11 threes a game. So he's taking less twos, less mid-range, and more threes. But he hasn't completely taken the mid-range out, you know, because that's still a reliable shot to him. You know, if he's not making his three, he can come off that screen and he can go to the mid-range. Uh, but if he is making the three, you know, just keep firing away. And over 44 minutes, if he took, you know, 102 pointers, 100 mid-range shots at 50%, or he took 100 threes at 40%, you know, he would score more with the threes. Like, that's just, that's just math. And since he hasn't eliminated the mid-range, you know, down the stretch when there's four minutes left, you know, it gets tough. It gets tough getting points. It gets tough getting buckets, especially in the playoffs. You know, teams are on you. You know, you're, you're feeling the nerves and all that. So you still need the best high-quality, efficient shots. So he can still get you a shot that he makes at 50% from mid-range, you know, for his career, he's usually at like 20 to 22 points per game. And now because he's tweaked his game, he's at 26, I think 26 or 27 points a game. You know, for his career, he's usually at a .550 true shooting, which is like league average. And now he's at .620 true shooting, which is elite efficiency. That's like KD, that's Harden, that's like that type of level. Uh so he's, he's having a career year, and all he did was tweak his game a little bit. Like, his skill set is still the same. He's just taking different shots. And I think some of this will get corrected because uh, he's not getting to the rim as much. And I think once he's back from his injury, I think the split right now is, like, 45-55. And I think he'll get to, like, a 50-50 split, where he's taking 50% of his shots from three and 50% from two-point range. And he's shooting a little bit above his regular averages. I think he's like 59% from mid-range and like 44% from three. You know, he's usually 50% from mid-range and 40% from three. And I think I think that, that has to get corrected. I think he, it will get corrected. So I think for the season, he'll average like 25 points a game on like .6002 shooting, which is incredible which is really good that's like true all-star level play and a true number two reliable player and you know I love this because the way he's done it is how you should do it you know he hasn't turned into like a Harden where he just said you know fuck the mid-range you know he said no I'll take less of them but I'm going to take them still because I make them at a high rate I'm not just gonna eliminate them from my game entirely and it kind of it kind of shows how important advanced stats really are because he he tweaked his game style, his 
but his skill set is still the same. So all he did was just tweak his game, and now he's a true like top twenty, top twenty-five player. Uh, this is also interesting because his backcourt mate just last season did the exact same thing. You know, uh, Dame. I always thought of some someone like a Kyrie, where ideally he's your second best player, who every now and then can play like a number one. I think the difference between Kyrie and Dame for me is I think. Kyrie, I would rather have as my number two playing off like a LeBron, a KD. But I think if if I was forced to have a number one, I would have rather had Dim. I just think he's a better leader. And I think he's more... Uh, I think he's more willing to play within a system. So, but I, like if Dame before last season was your number one, you're not really winning much. You're not You're not winning... Well, you're winning much, but you're not win- You're not going to win a championship. And so, yeah, before last season, I thought ideally Dame was like a carry where he should be your second best player. He should be your second best player who can play like a number one occasionally. But the way he changed his game last season, I think I think he can truly be like a number one. You know, like a lower tier number one, but a, a number one still. You know, like he's not gonna, he's not all of all of a sudden like Steph, LeBron, Kawhi, KD, even Harden, Giannis, or AD, or even like Embiid or Joker or Luca. <laughs> so that's like ten guys I just named. But I do, but I do think he he's better than the other, like the players after that, because you know Dame used to take 60% of his shots from two, 20% from mid-range, 40% from three. And the thing with Dame, unlike Fiji, was he was never a great mid-range shooter, only like 42%. And last season, he did the 50-50 split, you know, 50% of his shots from two, 50% of his shots from three. And because of that, he went from like a .580 true shooting, which is like pretty solid, to a... which is elite. That's where KD and Harden are. And other great offensive players usually are at that too. Like LeBron usually is at that. Not anymore because he doesn't doesn't try in the regular season as much. Like I think for the last three seasons now, he's been below a .600. But in the playoffs, he's at like .630. So he's clearly not trying as much in the regular season. Like, you see him taking a lot of jumpers and threes. And uh, in the playoffs, you see him posting up a lot more. So I think just because he he tweaked his game a little bit, now I think he's a true number one. And I think him and CJ are a true number one and two. You know, they're not... They're a lower tier one and two. Like, they're not Kawhi and PG. But I think if you get them a true third guy who's like an elite defender who can make up for, you know, CJ and Dame not being great defenders, like a Draymond type, then I think they could make some real noise. Like, I really I really do think they could give a team trouble, and if they get hot, they could win against, like, the Clippers. I don't know about the Lakers, because I think the Lakers are too talented for them. But if someone knocks off the Lakers for them, I think they could make a run to the finals. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Um... Yeah, so the the Nets and the Bucks played today, 
And uh, the last the last podcast I said, I, I I kept thinking it over, and I thought maybe they should put DeAndre on Giannis because he's the only one physically that can match up with him. And that's what they did today. And I think, you know, I didn't think it was going to work, and I think it did somewhat work. Like because Giannis had great numbers, but he just didn't dominate the matchup. Like he got he made some threes, he got some transition buckets, um, he. You know, every now and then, I think he made like two maybe hook shots. And I think he he just doesn't have a post-up game, and he's not a reliable shooter. So it was able to work. I think what they need to do is set, like Giannis has to set more screens because if DeAndre is waiting in the paint and Giannis sets a screen, now that's a wide-open jumper for whoever comes off that screen. You know, like that's what they do with Draymond and Steph. No one's guarding Draymond. And Draymond just sets the best screens in the league. And uh, Steph or whoever gets wide open jumpers. You know, I think if they, like they got Drew and I really do like Drew. But if they had Chris Paul there, that would have just been incredible. Because Chris Paul comes off that screen and now he's a 50% mid-range shooter. Maybe even higher than that. He's probably like 50-55%. And now he's make like Drew can't, like Drew, Drew doesn't make them at that high of a clip. Uh, not then they would have two guys who shoot it really well from mid-range and three. Like Middleton's a great mid-range shooter, and CP would have been a great mid-range shooter. Uh, Bogdan, Bo, you know, they almost got Bogdan. Bogdan's a great mid-range shooter, so that would have been really good for them too. And, um, you know, they gave up a lot for Drew, and I was kind of shocked that they only got Drew. Like if they got JJ from that as well, you know, that would have been awesome for them. That would have been great. Um that would that yeah. I was shocked that I think the Bucks have one more move to make. I think they need one more shooter. And the one thing I don't understand is so if the Nets or another team is going to put their big on Giannis, that means their forward is going to be on Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is, was like a twenty point low post scorer. So I don't understand why they don't just say hey, Brook go in the post against Jeff Green. Jeff Green, and we're going to play through you for now. So that's never made sense to me. You know, he's just out there shooting threes, and he's not making them, so it's, I don't understand that. And, uh, you know, the thing I did like from this game was Bud finally let Giannis play almost 40 minutes. You know, I love that. You know, Bucks take a lot of early shot clock threes, which I hate because, you know, you just got a defensive, you just got a defensive stop. And you run out and someone's already jacking up a three and it's only like 20 seconds on the shot clock. And uh, I think the Bucks have one more move to make. Like, I think they just need one more score, one more three-point shooter. They, they just need one more. They just need one more guy for them. Uh, Middleton was great down the stretch, uh, but took a horrible three with like 28 seconds left. And that's kind of like a pet peeve of mine where... You know, you're going for the two-for-one, but you take a horrible shot. And the timing of that is like, I don't understand it at all because, you know, it's 28 seconds left and you take a horrible three. You still have like 15 seconds left on the shot clock. And you take that three and let's say the Nets miss a shot. You only have four seconds left now. And uh, Katie went down the, Katie went to the other side and I think he lost it off. He lost the handle. So they did get the ball back. I just don't like, but I don't. I don't like the shot. 
I don't like the bad shot just to get a two for one, especially with 28 seconds left. I just don't understand that. And then he also took. A, I think. I think he also missed. A, he also missed the game tying shot or the game winning shot. But he he was great down the stretch. You know, he made all the clutch buckets for them. You know, I feel somewhat bad for Middleton, like a little bit, because I think he's a true number one, but he's the only second option in the league that when his team needs a bucket, they don't go to the number one. And I think that hurts him a lot because teams are planning for him like he's a number one, which he's not that type of talent. You know, Giannis, Giannis, you can't just give the ball to Giannis and be like, hey, go get us a bucket. You know, Giannis does a lot of his stuff from transition. <clears throat> uh, he does he does it off pick and roll where he's the role man. He does it off uh, bully ball. And when he can't bully someone, like, it, it doesn't, like, he, he just isn't that go-to guy. And uh, on the other side, the Nets, you know, they shot it incredibly well. I think nearly 50% from three. Jeff Green made like five or four threes. I think he only missed one. Uh, not a fan of their defense. They gave up 125 points. And I don't think the Bucks played really well, honestly, because they only shot like 28% from three. You know, the Nets ran some nice flare screens for Harden off the ball, and he got some catch-and-shoot jumpers, which you don't usually see a lot. Uh, they also need to make one more move, you know, probably for another center. DeAndre played DeAndre played actually pretty solid, but I don't think just defensively, I just don't see it with him. I, I don't see it with him in terms of, like, I don't trust him in the playoffs playing 40 minutes. I think his cap should be at, like, 28 to 30 minutes a night. So I think they need another player, another center, unless, unless they decide... You know, we're going to play DeAndre 30 minutes a night. And then the other 18, we'll just have KD and Jeff Green playing that. You know, I think that could work. And maybe if you do that, then you get another wing defender. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's it for today. Um, let me think, actually. All right, so the last thing I actually wanted to talk about was that Gautier, uh, Gaut, Gaut, E, Gaut, he, yay, I don't know how to say his name. Um, but he made that song almost like a decade ago, the Somebody That I Used To Know song. And it's become like a meme on Twitter where every couple of months the music video for it gets recycled. And people caption it like, oh my God, you know, such an underrated song. You know, how do we not appreciate this back then? And I mean, it charted pretty well. I'm pretty sure it was like the number one song in the U.S., so I don't know about all the underrated and, you know, we didn't appreciate it back then. But, you know, it came on Shuffle and, yeah, you know, it's a goddamn incredible song. The story is pretty much this relationship that starts uh, really well. You know, he says uh, they were so happy that, you know, she felt like she could die. You know, that's how she was feeling. And, um, but over time like the burden of the relationship was just too much for them and it wasn't working out and then she was like oh you know you know we're we'll still be friends and then when they break up she was actually like actually no we won't and the the hook is him being like oh what the fuck you got your you got your friends collecting your stuff you know you changed your number you know you didn't have to treat me like this you know, acting like, you know, we were nothing and, you know, never happened. Uh, 
And he ends by saying, you know, I don't even need your love. But you didn't have to stoop that low. And that's interesting because the song starts with him saying, now and then I think of when we were together. So clearly, he thinks about them still. And probably more than just every now and then. And it makes sense because, yeah, they didn't work out as a couple. But I imagine they were friends, you know, maybe even best friends. So, you know, maybe maybe she was his go-to person and now... Because she's cut him off, you know, he, ju- he just lost his best friend. He just lost his go-to person. Uh, the song then goes into the woman singing. And people think, and, you know, some people think that's his ex giving her side of the story. But I, I never interpreted it like that. For me, it, I, I, I always looked at it like that was his new girl. You know, she, you know, that's, that's just my interpretation over it. And she's like, you know, you, you kept screwing me over. You know, you had me believing us not working was my fault. Uh, you told me you weren't stuck on somebody that you used to know, you know, talking about his ex. And now she, you know, she can't believe every word he says. So clearly he's still stuck on his ex and he misses her friendship. You know, I think this is his new girl singing. And since we only have his recollection, we can we can speak on his ex and it's not like she has a song out like, hey, you were a dick. And that's why I didn't want to be your friend anymore, you dick. So I think she, I think, I think we could all agree that she probably handled it immaturely, just cutting him off entirely. You know, if 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 he's saying, yeah, you said this was not working for the both of us as a couple, but would still be friends. And now you're like, nah, we're we're actually done as friends too. I do think that's kind of fucked up. Not that not that she owes him anything. You know, she she doesn't owe him anything. She she doesn't have to be friends with him at all. But you know, you said, well, we'll still be friends, and now you're not. That's kind of a dick move, in my opinion. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just relating to it more right now because because um, this woman has been somebody that I used to knowing me you know we we were talking you know we were great friends and now I think she might be seeing someone and is is acting like I don't exist and I don't think I didn't think it would be like this you know I thought oh cool you got a man you know we just won't flirt anymore or anything like that uh but that we had talked enough about other things you know just school and life and like funny things that we would still be friends, but I guess not. So, yeah, that's how I wanted to end this episode, getting a little too personal. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And maybe, you know, I <clears throat> the way the way I'm doing these episodes is uh, on my on my notes app. I just I just write down something that I found interesting, and when it gets to like five things. That's when I decide to like make a podcast about it. So, you know, sometimes that might take like a day. Sometimes that might take like a week. So I don't really have like a set schedule for these things. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys.